0: dreaming somebody ring me up, up and down, and so my Welcome everybody to a brand new edition of the Slasher Sanitarium. I'm your host Troy, and we are talking about the Netflix series Alice in Borderland. Now, Alice in Borderland is a Japanese series, and it is based on a manga. Now, I did not read the original manga, because I did not want to be spoiled with this. Once I heard it was coming out, I wanted to watch the series before reading the manga. And we do know that there is going to be a season two that is currently heading our way very soon. So I wanted to make sure that I was able to get through this and get ready for the next season. So the name, Alice in Borderland, obviously other than being a play on Alice in Wonderland, is because our main character's name is Arisu. Now, Arisu is typically a female's name, but in this case it is our main character's last name, so we can kind of get away with it. And Arisu is the Japanese equivalent to the English name Alice. Other than that, there's not a whole ton of a lot to do with Alice in Wonderland. So, this series is very much like a lot of the other series that are out there that are based on either somebody seen or unseen, creating a game where characters' lives are put on the line. It's to the point now where it's not exactly ripping off anything. It's more like it's an entire genre of shows and movies now. So in this case, of course, we have people that are going to be transported somewhere and made to play a game of life or death. And there are some stakes line. but we're going to get into all of that. So, I am a sucker for those kinds of of things. I enjoy Hunger Games. I enjoy uh, the uh, Battle Royale, which was a Japanese movie that I watched when I was probably too young to have watched it, but uh, loved it, and uh, other things like Death Race, and obviously the new Squid Game that came out, all generally in the same kind of vein, but we'll see where this one goes. So, the series begins with gunfire as Arisu stares intently. We pull out to see that is playing a first-person shooter game. We see that his bookshelves are not only covered in games, but books about geometry and sacred geometry. Another man calls out to him saying he is a shitty brother. His brother, who I don't think it's a name, uh, says that Arisu didn't show up for the interview that he set up for him. Arisu says he didn't ask for his brother to, to help him, and his brother says their father told him not to help him anymore in finding a job. Arisu says he is going to leave, and his brother says you were better when mom was alive. Ouch. Arisu goes downstairs, and his father tells him not to cause trouble for their brother, for his brother. Arisu is wearing a shirt that says Sunny Climate, and he is wearing some board shorts. While his father and his brother are both dressed in suits. So, good introduction to the character. And we get... One of the things that I really enjoy about uh, this first episode I see is that not everything is spelled out for you. I mean, we literally have a shot where we see that while Arisu does play a lot of video games and he's dressed like a slacker and he apparently is jobless, he also has a bunch of geometry books and shows that he is probably a lot smarter than he's letting on. Arisu heads outside and group texts... Shota Sagawa and Daichiki Karube, his friends, asking if they want to go to the bar. He texts them that he is homeless now, and we cut to a bar where a man is making out with a woman. The man, Karube, has bleach blonde spiked hair, an orange floral shirt open over a blue shirt. They are interrupted when the boss arrives and says, Karube, you here early. The woman asks Kaizu, uh, the bar owner, why well, he is here early as well. And he says, oh, I was just uh, here to take care of something. And he proceeds to sucker punch Karubi in the face. It looks like that guy he was making out with, yeah, it was the boss's wife. Kazu punches Karubi a few more times before he backhands his wife and calls her a bitch, and Karubi punches out Kazu. Another fantastic introduction to a character, uh, but doesn't give us everything about him. So... He was a bartender here, uh, as we can tell, and clearly he is fired after getting the shit out of him and him kicking the shit out of the boss. And apparently he had a thing going on with the boss's wife, so he is shown to be more of of a ladies' man right off the bat. We cut over to Chota, who is getting money into an envelope and giving it to a woman. He asks that this be the last time she borrows money from him. Omin says the air is polluted and they need to make it clean again. This one's a little bit more difficult to sort of catch what's going on. Um, I guess we'll have to bring it up later. And, uh, but yeah, so Choda is uh, dressed in like your typical button down shirt, nicely pressed pants. Like he is uh, shown to be a little bit more of, a, not quite a business guy, but definitely in a position where uh, he's got a steady job. Now, this woman that comes up to him, we don't get any other information on her, and uh, we'll have to see if it comes back into play. But, yeah, neither of, uh, of Arisu's friends are responding to his text, so he starts to play a mobile game. Kurobi texts him saying he was fired, which causes uh, Arisu to lose his game. Shota texts that he is skipping work right now and all three of them agree that they need a drink, so they all should all meet in front of Shibuya, Shibuya Station. Arisu texts that he is having a shit day, and he finds Karube in the crowd. Chota arrives as well, but Arisu keeps texting them both while they're right next to him. Chota must be a fan of my show, because he hopes for zombies to arrive, and Arisu says only Karube would survive But. He says Arisu would outsmart them all. Gurube says he should stop hanging out with him and go live his life. Which is interesting. Arisu questions him, but Gurube just stares off into the distance. Arisu watches the crowd around them all going about their business, as the three friends all stand still. This is what I mean by the show having very nice visual metaphors and, and visual information you have these three guys standing still and everyone around them is just moving at a fast pace and it kind of lets you know without telling you, like, that's these guys situations in life too and you even have Karibe mentioning to Arisu to like, stop letting us drag you down and or at least in, in what he feels so after a bit Karube puts Arisu on his shoulders and says it's the first day of Arisu's independence he spins him around and Shota takes a picture of him while uh, he continues to get spun around. First, Arisu wants to be put down, but then he starts to enjoy it. But then we see that they have actually wandered off into the street and cars start to honk at them. They manage to cause an accident while one of them tries to avoid hitting him. And the three of them laughs, and then Shota texts them. Oh, sorry. Uh, they, uh, they start to laugh, and then the police start to chase them. They run into Shibuya Station and find a bathroom to hide in. So all three of them cram into a stall together. They laugh some more, and then Shota attacks, who farted. They hear footsteps, and then someone pounds on the door. But then suddenly all the lights go out, and it is silent around them. Arisu puts his ear to the door, but he doesn't hear anything. He opens the bathroom door slowly, and walks out to find nobody is around anymore. The three friends then all go out into the station, and find that it is completely abandoned. They look out into the street, and while it was busy just a second ago, there is not nobody out there. The three of them all kind of look around, and then we get our intro sequence. Once we return to the episode, we see that every place around them is completely empty. Not only that, there's still hot tea on one of the tables. Krube goes back to the bar to find a still smoking cigarette. He calls for Emmy, but nobody is there. Chota goes back to his work and finds a postal note from his boss, but the place is also empty. Chota looks out over the city but sees no sign of anyone. Arisu runs down the road and doesn't find anyone either. There are a bunch of vehicles that look like they may have been driven, and then just like suddenly there was nobody in them and they rolled to a stop. Arisu meets back up with Karube and Kshota. He says his phone isn't working either. Arisu asks if there was some kind of evacuation drill today. We cut to it being dark, and they're just sitting in the street. Kshota asks if there was a flash mob or something, and Arisu says, You know, it's actually kind of exciting that the three of us are left. Kshota agrees, saying that they can eat and drink as much as they want without anyone telling them not to. Kurobe tells them that Shota will be a virgin the rest of his life then. And Shota says, Yeah, I probably wouldn't like that. Shota yells out, Any virgins out there? Nobody answers. But then the side of a skyscraper lights up as a big digital sign says, Welcome, players. The game will commence in a moment. It then switches to an arrow pointing to the right saying the game is that way. So before we get into the game, there's a ton of questions right off the bat from me at least on what the hell just happened is this the same world that they were in is this just like a snapshot mirror copy of the world they were in like how how is it that there's just nobody else around at all and by all accounts there were still signs that they are from this world or You know the Chota getting a note from his boss, like it shows, like okay, well, like one second they were, everyone was there, and then they were gone, or one second these three were there, and then they just disappeared, and everyone else just kind of went about their way. So, a lot of questions on what the hell's going on there, but needless to say, we're not going to get any answers this this episode. The three of them look and see a light in the distance, so they run up to find a building labeled GM building. All three walk into the lobby, and a side reads, reads Game Arena up ahead. A small arrow directs them down a hallway, and as they walk further down the hallway, they pass through a series of laser lights that ding when they pass by. There is a table with cell phones on it. They each grab one, and the phones then use facial recognition and start up. They play around with the phones a little bit to try to figure out if they can do anything with them, and we see that the outgoing call function has been disabled on them, and the screen then changes to say the game will start in two minutes. It says there are currently three participants. Another woman arrives and says that this is a game. She grabs Choda's name badge out of his pocket and throws it back the way they came, which causes it to instantly get shot straight through with a laser beam. She says once you cross the borderline, You have no choice but to play the game. The woman walks past them, and Arisu starts to walk back, but Karubi stops him before he gets himself killed. I don't know why he decided that he was just going to, like, Oh, I just saw that name badge get blasted through. Let me try and see if it works on humans, too. Like, don't... What are you doing, man? Another woman walks up saying she is so relieved to see other people. The first woman hands her a phone as she grabs her own. So the first woman is dressed like a businesswoman, uh, While well, the second is in a high school outfit, the phone says the game is dead or alive. Difficulty three of clubs, and we will find out what that means in the next episode. Actually, we're not going to find out this one. I watched the first two episodes just so I had kind of an idea on what I was going uh, on, what I needed to know from this first one, but I'll fill you in on the next episode on what the difficulty ratings mean. They need to select the correct door within the time limit. In order to win, they must leave the building within the set time limit. An elevator opens and the word start is written on the wall. The businesswoman says they will die if they just stand there. So all five competitors get into the elevator and the time limit for the first room that they enter is two minutes. RSU walks out first and we see the room is just a small place with four walls. There's a checkerboard flooring, and there are two doors, one that says ALIVE and one that says DEATH. There's also nice little pictures, but uh, the alive one is like a, a anime girl and the dead one is a skeleton. Chota says it's getting excited, and he starts to record the room. The high schooler says she wants to go home. Arisu and Karube start to examine the doors, and Chota says, well it must be alive, right? The businesswoman says to open the door that says alive. They look down to see that smoke has started to pump into the room from the floor. Twenty seconds remain, and the high schooler panics and then runs through the door marked alive. And as soon as she does, she gets a laser straight through the top of her skull out the bottom of her chin, and she hits the ground dead. Clearly that means that was the wrong choice, so they all run through the door marked death. Arisu grabs Chota and pulls him through at the last second as the room ignites in flames. So I did happen to take a look at the at the manga to see how closely they were staying with uh with the source material. This first game is completely different than what they have in the manga and I'm honestly okay with it. I'm I've, I don't have that attachment to be like, oh my gosh, they're changing everything about it over that. It still has a lot of the same uh, like structure to it, and and the same like the characters are very very similar to what they are. They're a little bit different, but I'm not going to to harp on it at all because this is its own thing. Uh, even though it is based on a property, it is still an adaptation, and they're going to change some things. And I think this works actually very well for the series. As they get to the next room, Arisu accuses the remaining woman of killing the student, but she says that they are alive because of her. This room has a time limit of 1 minute and 50 seconds. They proceed to argue over what door to choose next. The woman says it's probably a game of sacrifice, and it doesn't matter what door they choose, as the first person will always get killed. Arisu says that since the woman sacrificed that girl, she should be the next one to go. And the woman says if Arisu is so keen to have someone open the door... Why doesn't he do it? She says that he just wants someone else to open the door. The room starts to fill with smoke again, and RSU says he will open the door. He looks at both doors, and walks over to choose the death door. He puts his hand on the knob, as they have 30 seconds remaining. But, he then lets go of the door and collapses, because he just can't do it. The woman says even he would have sacrificed that girl. Karubi says he will do it, and he... take turns with arisu he goes through the the alive door and stays alive the rest of them rush in after him which means arisu was about to die (laughs) which if arisu had gone through that door and died and they went through the next door they would probably continue to think that this game was set up to be one that you have to sacrifice each time but thanks to karube they realize that, no, there is something to it. Now, the basic premise of the show, at least from from this first episode, shows you that the games have to be winnable. We do know that the, the woman seems to come with at least some knowledge, so that means she has lived through one of the games. This isn't a case of they're put into a situation where they can't possibly survive. Like They clearly can survive. And there has got to be a way to do it. They just have to figure it out. The next room's timer is 1 minute and 40 seconds. Kurube says he will choose the door, but the woman will have to go through it. She tells him that she can't. And Kurube tells Arisu that he must know how to beat this. He says there are always solutions built into every game. He tries to get Arisu to think back to when they first arrived and if they missed any clues. And Kurube says While he was working his ass off, Arisu was home playing games. Arisu takes a little offense to this and says that doesn't make Karube a a better person, it just means he knows how to fight better. Karube punches Arisu in the face, but this helps Arisu think back and remember that he saw a BMW 523 parked outside when they got in. And he says, the answer's death. He goes through the door and everyone else follows him. And he's successful. He says that his father had that same car, and he knows exactly how long it is. The building is four of these cars long, meaning it's 20 meters in length. The room is six meters long. He saw an evacuation map on their way in, and since the building is square, each side has three rooms. He asks for something to write with, and he draws out the building, trying to find the stairs outside. He reasons that since the schoolgirl died in the room next to them they would have gone straight twice meaning that if, if they go through the alive door it would be a trap since they would probably fall to their deaths or something would be waiting out there because that is against the far wall but the other door would lead them around into the next room and into a circle until they get back to the stairwell they go through another alive door and arisu that sorry and arisu sees that there's no door where it's supposed to be. He thinks again and says that the alive door would lead them to where the girl died. The death door would lead them to nothing. So, there doesn't seem to be an actual choice in this. Arisu thinks for a minute and then asks Shota to show him the video he took of the first room. Arisu watches the girl enter the room and sees that when she entered the, the room, there was no door on the other side of the room meaning that the alive door that they're looking at doesn't lead to that room, but instead must lead to the stairwell in between that first room that that she died in and their room. So they run through it, but as they're running through it, Tota's leg catches on fire. Karube manages to put him out, and they drag him down and go out into the final death door and out to safety. Rube helps Chota down as his leg is badly burned now. And once they get to the bottom of the stairs, the phone tells them they have completed the game. The businesswoman thanks Arisu for saving them. She sees a table set up with a card on it. And the card is the three of clubs. Their phones go off and it tells them that they will have all been given a three-day visa. As they're trying to figure out what this means, a man walks up to them. His arm is covered in blood, and he says he is going to drop out of the game. He says there is no end to the game, no matter how much you win. His visa expired today, and he wishes to play no longer. Suddenly, a laser shoots down from the sky and kills him. The woman then understands that when your visa expires, you must return to the game before that. If you don't, you're dead. So they each have three days apiece. Until they have to play again. I would assume that it's not a matter of, like, you don't want to wait for too long close to your deadline. Otherwise, it might might fuck with you and not start a game up in time. Arisu looks up and sees a bunch of lasers come down around the city, killing everyone who has not started a new game before their visa expired. We then see a rather buff woman overlooking the city as the episode comes to a close. So there was quite a few people that got aced that we didn't see. And I don't know if that means that they were supposed to be part of this game or if there were other locations where games were going on at the same time that they just didn't didn't go and be a part of. Not sure. But all things considered, this was a great start to the series and kept me very interested and made me very, uh, very interested in where things go from here we have what would appear to be kind of our four main players, Uh, the woman who I don't believe, she's not given a name in this, but I'm pretty sure they will give us a name. And we've got Arisu and uh, Chota and Karube as like our main three guys. And then we have this mysterious woman at the end who I'm sure will play a, a, a role in the next episode. So with that, I think that that's a good start to the show. And uh, thank you for listening to this one. I'll be back again with another episode in two days. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. And I'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.